to the David Glenn Show. Live check-in from Carolina Panthers camp with broadcaster Jim Zoki. That's in about 30 minutes. Golf fans across North Carolina, we have the second of our two annual PGA Tour stops. It is underway. Webb Simpson and Brant Snedeker are among the clubhouse leaders with 664s at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. Wake Forest product Bill Haas, ECU's Harold Varner, both at four under. Jordan Spieth just about to tee off, as are Jimmy Walker, Paul Casey, Martin Keimer, the rookie Matthew Wolf. Here to discuss the year in golf and the Wyndham Championship and a lot of other things. He's a former comedian turned golf caddy turned golf analyst for the worldwide leader ESPN's Michael Collins. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, Michael. How are you? Fantastic, man. How goes it, Dave? We're doing great. Always excited to catch up with you. Before we dive into the golf, since you had to have probably sometimes great feelings holding that microphone uh, as a comedian and maybe other times a lonely feeling, which PGA Tour pros would you most like to see in the audience while you're performing because they're easier to make laugh? Ooh, man, and, that's a good one. And then uh, there's, and you know, the follow-up's going to be, who do you not want to see in the audience, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I've ever not been able to make a tour pro laugh. I think the biggest compliment, one of the biggest compliments I ever got. Well, twofold. One was in Greensboro at the Comedy Zone one year. I was doing a bit about the Tiger Woods Fuzzy Zeller way back in the day. Oh and yeah. Fuzzy was in the audience <laughs> and I I saw him before I went up and no one knew it was him. So I did my bit and then after the and and it got a big laugh and but at the very end I said um Hey, before I go any further, I want to introduce y'all to somebody um, who actually is a friend of mine and who I appreciate being here watching this. And I go, ladies and gentlemen, Fuzzy Zeller. Wow. And the place went ballistic. That's... It was awesome. And he stood up and waved and stuff like that and then gave me a hug afterwards, which was cool. So that was, that was one of my favorite moments because he was laughing throughout the whole bit of it as well um, because of, of – like I, I really twisted the, I twisted it something terrible, um, but in a good in a good way. Um, and then, uh, who a guy who's on the champions PGA Tour champions now, Michael Allen, um, him and uh, Tim Heron, Lumpy. Oh yeah, at, they came and saw my show. Uh, Michael Allen was at a comedy zone, I think it's Charlotte, and Lumpy was um, at a comedy club in San Antonio. And after, after I did my set, I come off stage and both of them like just were crazy wide eyed. And I was like, what's the matter? And they go, you're, you're funny, like funny, funny. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I'm a comedian. Hello. It's my job. And they knew me when I was caddying. So they thought when I said I was a stand up comedian, that it was just kind of like, yeah, like when someone says they're a musician and then you go hear them play, you're like, mm, nah, you know, musicians normally can carry a tune. You can't. So you're not really a musician. <laughs> you just know how to play two chords. <laughs> so the fact that they were surprised that I truly was like the comedian was my first profession as opposed to just a guy saying that and not really doing it as a profession. That was that was pretty cool. 
Michael Collins is joining us. He's a fun follow on Twitter, at ESPN Caddy. One more thing about that other career of yours. I don't know how many of the Fireside with Phil, and for those who haven't seen it, it's, it's Fireside with a PH, right? Fireside with Phil. Are you either, A, impressed by Phil's comedic value, or could, like, who else on tour might, not as a career, but just, like, maybe one night open mic might be able to make people laugh for a while, even while, you know, of course, what they do best is hitting a golf ball. Um, on today's PTH, first of all, I just want to take a little bit of credit for Phil finally getting on social media because I have been hounding him for and hounding him for years. Good, good. For years, I was like, why are you not on Twitter or Instagram? No, I really don't want to. I think there's too many mean people and it's just going to be troll. And I was like, nah, man, you can make social media whatever you want. Like, if you want to just go have fun... Go have fun. I mean, you will be, you will, you'll love it. No, no, I don't want to do it. He fought it like, he fought it like your grandparents fought getting a DVD player, you know, or like trying to set the clock on an old VHS. They were like, man, fine, blinking 12. Like, it's driving everyone crazy. Please, like, nah, I don't need it. I don't need an iPhone. This is my mom. This is a discussion I'm having with my mom now. Mom, get an iPhone. (laughs) So finally still being on social media is so much fun. And the fact, here's what makes it beautiful. What makes it beautiful is Phil is the first person to hold himself accountable for stuff. So when he does a fireside with Phil chat or he puts out a social media blast, if he missed the cut, he'll say, the first thing he'll say is, since I got nothing to do this weekend because I played back. Like, which then, no, if, even if you hate Phil Mickelson, you have to respect the fact that he took your power as a troll away from you. And the other thing that makes it beautiful is Phil's the first person to admit that because of some of the early stuff that he put out, his team now requires him to have a safety net. And I do the air quote safety net is because Everything he puts out has to be vetted. Now, (laughs) he's not afraid to just throw stuff out there regardless of the consequences, but his team is like, brah, no, you know what I mean? We're not going to cost ourselves millions, okay? So let's just chill, you know, which is, it's awesome. I think Phil being on social media is one of the great gifts that has been given to us this year i agree with you so wholeheartedly his shot at matt kuchar well i forget what weekend that was was hilarious and, oh. and then the the patrick harrington stuff where poor patty is just explaining a night out where it was patty's turn to pick up the tab and harrington does not even drink wine and <laughs> phil mickelson's bu- buying vintage bottles of wine for complete strangers left and, and right right hey well here's the thing Phil's buying crazy expensive wine for the table and then sending wine bottles signed out to a guy whose birthday it was. You know? <laughs> All on Harrington's no, it's on Patty's t- Yeah. yeah. But, see, here's, but what you have to know about Phil, if you don't know that, if you don't know this about Phil, is Phil's also one of the least cheap guys on tour. Yes, I yes. Would, I would, I would argue or an argument could be made 
that he is looser with tips and gifts than any tour pro out there. Yeah. And, you know, Patty even mentioned that. Patrick Harrington mentioned that in that same fireside with Phil for that one. They had a little camp. uh, It was a candle. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and that's why he can call Phil. That's why Phil can call Kuchar out. Right. Being so cheap because (laughs) he knows Kuchar can't come back on him. You know, so. yeah, there is no story waiting to be told about Phil Mickelson along those lines. Nah, I love it. nah cause, and the thing is, Phil's like, this is the, <laughs> this is where what one of the things that people don't know, because I get that question all the time, you know, hey, man, you know, there are rumors out there that Phil's a big phony and blah, 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 this, you know, and I always tell people, look, man, I've known Phil for a long time and me and his relationship didn't start off awesome. Like, it wasn't like we was tight from jump, you know what I mean? So, I tell people all the time, nah, this dude, this dude is, is yes, Phil has a, a persona for television and stuff like that. Like, you ain't never going to catch him dropping F-bombs or anything like that when there's cameras or something like that around. So, yeah, that Phil, of course, would be different than the guy who you're just hanging out with. But he's also got an Eminem side. Yeah, like he is. If he's like, if he thinks you're coming at him, he'll drop a firebomb on himself so you don't and take your power away. And now he's got so much on you that you're like, you, you might as well just put your tail between your legs and go hang in your basement for a couple months. <laughs> Michael, if he, if he drops everything he got on you, whoo, man, you bet you you're not going to Thanksgiving at your house. Michael, couple Michael Collins of ESPN is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Caddy. All right, I have a new entry on my top 10 golf stories of the 2019 calendar year. It's Michael Collins helping to convince Phil Mickelson to get on social media. Now, that, <laughs> now that can't catapult, you know, Tiger getting major number 15 at Augusta earlier this year. When you think of that one, and then we'll get to the Wyndham, uh, what do, what do you advise golf fans to think or expect moving forward? Because even as Tiger broke a decade-plus-long drought, right, and it was as exciting as the golf world got this year, but, you know, he also struggled in other ways, and he seems to be enjoying life beyond golf in other ways. What's your best summary as uh, we try to calibrate who Tiger Woods is in his early 40s? Man, it's funny that you ask that because um... – Myself and my co-host on my podcast, Maddie and the Caddy, our, the podcast that me and Matt Barry have, we're arguing about this constantly. He thinks that Tiger wins the Masters and he's good. Like he ain't, he don't have to win nothing else again, and and he doesn't necessarily believe that Tiger even cares if he ever wins again. Like he did what he wanted to do by winning that Masters. I say Tiger still think he can catch Jack, but here's the problem. The tour messed it up for him to do it. Because of this new condensed schedule, he's got no chance. No chance because of his body. Yep. So we and we saw that this year. How about this? Between April first and August well, next week, 5th. Between April 1st and August 5th, Tiger Woods played in one PGA Tour-sponsored event. 
Wow. Remember, the four majors are not run by the PGA right, Tour. Right, right. The Masters, the U.S. Open is the USGA, the Open Championship, the PGA Championship. PGA Championship is run by PGA of America, which is a completely different organization right. than the PGA Tour. And the Open Championship is run by the RNA, which was the last one. The only event Tiger played between April and August was the Memorial, was Jack's event. Because yeah. that's the only thing he could play. Like, he couldn't even play the WGC in Memphis because he just, his body said, his back was like, yeah, nah, we ain't doing that. You want to go gallivanting around Thailand for three weeks with your family? And I thought it was hilarious that Tiger at the Open was like, oh, man, I'm tired. Wait, you was on vacation and you tired? Like, what kind of vacation? <laughs> what kind of vacation you take? You come back, man, I, I don't even want to go to work. Like, that's a good day on vacation if you're exhausted after that. <laughs> He did something right. So moving forward for Tiger Woods, the Masters is going to be the only chance that he has. And think about what had to happen for him to win that Masters. Brooks Kepka had to miss the putt on 18. Francesco Molinari, who is the Italian Botox. Like the, and I call him, he's like a robot, he's a cyborg, or I call him the Botox guy because you can't tell whether he made a double eagle right. or a double bow. Right. Like Molinari, who took down Tiger at the Open Championship the year prior, he had to have a, an epic collapse. So you're, you're telling me all the next masters that are coming up, uh, Jordan Spieth not going to make another run because he loves it there. DJ never going to make a run at the Masters. You don't believe. Look at Brooks Kepka. You think Brooks Kepka's not going to figure the Masters out? And you think Tiger, who's, you know, you keep putting it year after year on that back, you think it's going to get better? Like the hardest part for people who are huge Tiger fanatics is they think the Tiger from 2000 is going to show up again at some point and be the dominant Tiger. That dude's dead. Yes. Like, he ain't, that guy's never coming back. So, Tiger's best chance to win another major is the Masters because the schedule won't allow him to prepare correctly for every other major. And that being said, then all the young dudes that are going to be grinding at the Masters, think about Brooks Kepka at the PGA. When Tiger was coming after him, he thought it was awesome. It ain't like Ernie Els back in the day. Right who, when Tiger was coming, they were like, oh, bleak. We already know second place is going to happen. Like, nah, these dudes are like, yeah, Tiger's coming. I get to beat him, which never happened before. So can Tiger win a bunch of PGA Tour events in the future? Potentially. I don't know how many he's going to get to play in if all he focuses on is majors. I hope he doesn't. I think what Tiger said earlier this year in the press conference, which was the first time I had ever heard him say it, but, I mean, I had been, me and him have been talking about it for a while, and I've been saying it publicly. The less Tiger we see, the longer we see him. Hmm. Which sounds counterintuitive, but for a guy who's been through everything he's been through, I would love to see Tiger play for five or six more years. I don't know if he's going to do that, but the only way that we're going to see him for five to six more years is if he only plays eight, maybe 12 times a year at most. So that doesn't bode well for winning, but it. You know, stranger things have happened. Michael Collins is joining us. He mentioned the podcast, Maddie and the Caddy, 
So that's M-A-T-T-Y, remember, that's the Matt Berry character. Michael would be the caddy in that Maddie and the Caddy podcast. Last thing for you, uh, and you can take this wherever you want. One, just generally, since you travel the world and travel the country, and you've been here both as a comedian and as a caddy, uh, and also in your current capacity, with the Wyndham being here, it is our second of two annual PGA Tour stops. As you know, we occasionally get you know the majors and some other exciting things in the golf world. A, where do you place North Carolina as a golf state? Because I'm from the Northeast, and all my Northeastern friends, you know, swear that this is one of their favorite places to come just to play golf Mm -hmm. or watch. And then more specifically to the Wyndham, they're a little disappointed by this year's field. They're in this new place on the calendar. And I just wonder, like, what input would you share with the folks at Sedgefield or who, who run this event? You know, you're caught between the last of the majors and the beginning of the FedEx Cup. You do have the Wyndham Rewards, which was designed to be a carrot, but not enough guys kind of grabbed that carrot. I love the field. I'm going to be happy this weekend. But what are your thoughts about our place as a state in this golf universe with the Wyndham in mind? All right, well, let me start with the Wyndham. The yeah. Wyndham, here's where people have to go, let's embrace this part of it. And the part that should be embraced the most is the drama of the FedEx Cup playoffs and this being the last chance to get in. Yeah. So with the FedEx Cup playoffs in mind, if you look at Wyndham as like this, is the last chance for Cinderella to go you know, get an invitation to the ball. Yeah. So you're not going to get the dudes who are one, two, three, and four most of the time. You're just not going to get them. But who you will get is when you get a guy like Patrick Reed, you'll get dudes that are trying to catapult themselves inside the top 30 because then it gives them the best momentum chance to get to the tour championship if they can play well and win. So you got to be comfortable on the golf course to do that and the and and the the drama of those dudes who are just fighting to keep their tour card yeah i mean it's crazy to think that if today is august 1st and this is the last event of the season for some guys like for some guys this is it sunday or even friday they're going to put their clubs in the trunk of the car go to the airport and try and figure out well, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, do I try Monday at stuff in the fall? Do I go to the Corn Ferry playoffs and championship? So that kind of drama is and can be really exciting to go through. The hard part for it is there's two days where it really matters, and that's Friday for the guys making, if you make the cut, does that guarantee you in? And then Sunday, Sunday when it's like, a guy who makes a birdie on 11 knocks another dude out. Like, right. How is that possible? It's crazy. So those two days, I think you have to embrace. Now for North Carolina as a state. Think about when people talk about the great U.S. Open venue that are out there. And you tell me that Pinehurst isn't mentioned. And then you tell me when you talk about great, a great golf area where people how many states have an area that is on a golfer's bucket list not many yeah not many but north carolina got one you know so when you talk about going to 
an area, and and uh, it's so cool to think. So think of the history of Sedgefield and golfers who are inundated with we geek out. Golfers geek out on history. So when you talk about, hey, man, you go where Sneed was, and like, what? Yeah. And then Pinehurst, and then Charlotte, when if you think about today's golfers, when you talk about Quail Hollow, like the reason that Quail Hollow always got a crazy good field, the reason that the tour actually switched the dates was because Quail Hollow was getting a better field than the Players' Championship at one time. When they were both in May, Quail Hollow was getting a stronger field. And that says something about the golf course because that's the number one thing forgot. What's, what's the golf course? And then it's like, what's all the stuff that comes with it? And then you think of everything that's around Pinehurst, including Pine Needles, like all those resorts that are around that area, it catapults North Carolina and the golf in the North Carolina area. That doesn't even take into account some of the places outside of those areas that, like, even there are some coastal courses that are ridiculously good that no one's really heard of because they don't get tour events. But it's still, as far as the state goes, I, I would put that up up against a lot. I would definitely say North Carolina is in the top five. That's what I like to hear. When, it, when we say it, it doesn't sound. And probably, I would probably say it would be hard to kick. It would be hard to kick North Carolina off the medal stand. I don't know that y'all would win a gold. Right. But I would just say, like, silver and bronze, there would be easy arguments for it. Because you go New York, California. You guys in Georgia, you know, and then, like, Wisconsin's making the charge. People will say Bandon Dunes, but, like, outside of Oregon, outside of Bandon Dunes, like, other than Bandon Dunes, is there is there more bucket list? No, probably not. Like, no one's like, hey, man, we're going to play Bandon Dunes, and then we're going to sneak down here. Nah, you ain't doing that. You know, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say y'all fight for metal stand position. As the host of a statewide show, I bow my head to allow ESPN's Michael Collins to place around my neck. It doesn't matter if it's bronze or silver. Uh, we are on the podium, says Michael. He is a lot of fun. Find his work at ESPN.com. Find his podcast as well, Maddie and the Caddy. Thanks for the time, man. That was a, a great visit. We always appreciate your time here on the David Glenn Show. Anytime. Looking forward to it. And look, man, you don't have to just call me when there's an event in North Carolina. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you see the schedule starting for 1920? It's 49 weeks of golf. Like, I love when people are like, hey, man, when's golf off-season? I'm going to chop you in the throat. There's no off-season for golf, which sucks. There should be, but there's really not. That's one of the big tricks that the tour played on everyone, too, is like, we're going to end the season so we don't have to compete with football. We're like, cool, does it start back in January or February? Nah, September. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, we will keep knocking on your door, man. Even if you only answer the door half the time, we'll be happy to have you back. I'm just happy that you guys are peeking in my windows. <laughs> Thanks, man. Michael <laughs> Collins on Twitter at ESPN Caddy. Jim Zoki live from Spartanburg on all things NFL. That's a little bit later this hour. You can chime in on the questions of the day. You might even win a prize later. The Classic Sports Movie Challenge is back for one more day. Even though the calendar has turned to August. Baseball question. Who was the biggest winner or the biggest loser at the trade deadline? Answers so far, mostly the Astros and the Braves were the winners. 
And while contenders, the Yankees and the Dodgers were the losers because they have the most to gain and yet did very little. The football question of the day is in honor of August 1st. The first NFL preseason game is tonight. Broncos-Falcons Hall of Fame game, NBC, 8 o'clock. College football players are reporting today all over the nation. High school football players are practicing for the first time today in many parts of our country. How do you describe, as a former player or coach, the place of football in your life? How has it taught you life lessons or otherwise impacted your life? Because whereas Vince Lombardi and Larry Fedora and a lot of others will talk about its importance in society and culture, there's a 20-plus percent decline in participation in football at the high school level. How do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life or taught others life lessons? 1-800-849-2761. Your phone calls, Jim Zoki still to come, Classic Sports Movie Challenge still to come. We'll get you caught up on some breaking news as well. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. David in Raleigh wants to be next up on one of our questions of the day. For baseball fans, who was the biggest winner? Who was the biggest loser at the trade deadline yesterday? Still good beat to be a Dodgers or Yankees fan, but they mostly stayed put. The Astros upgraded with former Cy Young Award winner Zach Greinke added to that rotation that already included Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Vegas, by the way, has reacted. And the Astros are now the co-favorites to win it all with the L.A. Dodgers. Dodgers and Yankees, losers in the eyes of some. Astros and Braves, winners at the trade deadline and getting the most votes for the biggest winner. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Jim Zoki live from Spartanburg a little bit later this hour. David and Raleigh wants in on one of our questions of the day, maybe the football one. Since high school players start practice today everywhere, and yet... Football participation is down more than 20% over the last five years at the high school level. And that is the opposite of high school sports participation. So year after year, the number of high school students participating in varsity sports is going up and up and up and up. And I mean here and across the nation. Year after year, participation in football has been going down and down and down and down. So since the first NFL preseason game is on TV tonight, Broncos-Falcons, 8 o'clock NBC, up in Canton, Ohio, the annual Hall of Fame game, and college football reporting day is today, and high school day one of practice for thousands across North Carolina also is today, we asked, how do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life? Is Larry Fedora right that the decline of football would mean the decline of America? I'm not sure about that, but I agree with Vince Lombardi. Football is like life, he said. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. David and Raleigh played football. Is it David's birthday today as well? Happy birthday, David. Go right ahead with your answer to the question of the day. Yep. Uh, well, my birthday is today, and football usually starts in high school today. So as a special treat, I got to do extra drills. And most of the time, you can't hit on the first day of practice, so it was more sprints and 
things like that. Now, are you a better person because you played football, do you think? Yeah, I met a lot of people playing football and uh, hard work, and I had a lot of fun with the guys I played with. So, Yeah, I mean, do you agree with Vince Lombardi? Perseverance. Yes. I learned hard work. I learned sacrifice. I learned dedication. I learned respect for authority. Was it, like, pivotal to your development as a young person? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, we're getting a lot of that today. Happy birthday, man. How are you celebrating? Oh, uh, pretty much laying around doing nothing. <laughs> that that could be a good day. Thanks for listening. And Lee, you're listening to the David Glenn Show, so there's at least one of your activities on your birthday. Happy birthday to David in Raleigh, 1-800-849-2761. How do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life or the lives of those you coached? Larry Fedora to Vince Lombardi, man, and many, many others. I mean, you get Lou Holtz talking about the importance of football in people's lives, he might not stop talking for a full three hours. And he's not the only one. I mean, you get Mike Ditka talking about the importance of football as a builder of character. He's going to go on and on and on and on. Um, Urban Meyer at the, at the college level, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, they believe in this stuff, and I do think much of the time they're right. Again, I don't think a decline in football participation has anything to do with the decline of America. I remember when Larry, Larry Fedora said that, my first thought was, weren't we in many ways, I know there were exceptions to this, but weren't we, we in many ways like one of the most amazing nations in the history of the world, like prior to the creation of American football? Like I just started to factor that in, right? And, and Coach Fedora was talking about like military guys, saying that one of the reasons that our military is the best in the world is that so many people in the military are former high school and college football players. Okay, I mean, I'll, again, I'm, I'm with Lombardi. I'm with that part of the Larry Fedora thing, assuming that was a conversation with somebody in the military. The decline of American civilization, uh, that's where I jump off of that bandwagon. Again, as I remember that we did really, really well in a lot of different ways for a long time before we created this American version of football. On the other side, Jim Zoki. He covers the American version of football, NFL style. He is a member of that star-studded Carolina Panthers broadcast team. Our recent guest, Mick Mixon, is the play-by-play man. Jim Zoki, of course, is back this year as well. We have the still-unconfirmed additions of former Panthers quarterback Jake DeLome, another of our recent guests, former All-Pro tackle Jordan Gross, another of our recent guests. Zoki and Mixon are, last I saw, Darren, the only official parts of the broadcast team, and the franchise is, for whatever reason, waiting to officially confirm how many games DeLome will have as the color commentator, how many Jordan Gross will have. Will there be somebody else? I mean, Panthers fans have been screaming, man, just get Steve Smith to agree to do a couple games a year, and then those three guys can rotate. Wouldn't that be a fun broadcast team? Our recent guest, Mick Mixon, our other recent guests, those other guys, and back today, Jim Zoki of the Carolina Panthers, live from Spartanburg, next on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. 
Hey folks, David Glenn here with a quick update from our friends at Continental Tire on their two brand new tires and what we call the free peace of mind that comes with all new Continental Tires. The Terrain Contact HT, an all-season tire for light trucks and large SUVs, features exceptional tread life, a quiet ride, and excellent wet braking. The Cross Contact LX25, an all-season tire that's ideal for crossovers and small SUVs, offers significant fuel savings as well. Always remember that all new Continental tires come with a 60-day customer satisfaction guarantee and what we call that free peace of mind of their total confidence plan. That includes three years of flat tire roadside assistance, meaning free flat tire changes or free towing up to 150 miles, plus 24-7 live agent service at their toll-free number. Learn more about Continental Tire and its total confidence plan by visiting totalconfidence-plan.com. Break away from the everyday Smithfield's chicken and barbecue Okay, in less than 30 seconds I know I can make you hungry Ready? Here we go Chicken breast, chicken wing Drumstick, pulled pork barbecue Potato salad, coleslaw, sweet iced tea I, I don't know about you, but I'm starving Where am I going? I'm headed to Smithfield's Break away from the everyday To Smithfield's chicken and to the David Glenn Show. NFL.com recently gathered votes from NFL players on the best in that business. Carolina Panthers had four guys in the top 100. As Jim Zoki chimes in live from Spartanburg at Carolina Panthers camp, it was Luke Keekley at 24, Christian McCaffrey at 42, Gerald McCoy at 75, and Cam Newton at 87. That was down for Cam from last year's number 25. Of course, the players are aware he's coming back from shoulder injury as well. Jim Zoki, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We were taken aback when that Luke Keekley guy was in the headlines at camp yesterday because he left the field after some kind of pileup. And then when some fans didn't see him out there today practicing, they really freaked out. But according to Ron Rivera, there is an alternative explanation for why Keekley did not play today, correct? Uh, so the, the savvy Veterans Day off maneuver, David, <laughs> yes. <so. laughs> and they have been uh, dispersing those. This happened with uh, Ron's good about doing that uh, regular season, too. So he says it was a scheduled maintenance day off for Luke Keekley. So if they scheduled it weeks ago or Hours before practice, I don't know, uh, but that was the terminology today. All right, Greg Olson got a vet's day, Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton as well. I believe those all apply to today. Uh, is there any reason to be worried about Luke Keekley or anybody else medically right now beyond the usual, you know, heat issues and bumps and bruises? Yeah, nothing that we know of. And, you know, Ron alluded to the heat yesterday with Luke coming off the field and you know, Luke kept his helmet on. I was down there yesterday, and, uh, you know, Luke kept his helmet on when he got off to the sidelines and wanted to get back in, which is a good sign. We'll take that as encouragement. But, again, I mean, that was July 31st. There's no reason to push the limits of uh, Spartanburg heat at that time. They got Fan Fest coming up tomorrow night. I'm sure they'd like to have a lot of players up there for that. So, I think uh, right now, yeah, no, no medical concerns as we sit here today. I think weeks ago when you joined us, you mentioned the secondary as one of the only places on the depth chart where maybe the Panthers would go beyond the men already coming to camp. 
for help. And just yesterday on our show, uh, our statewide audience answered the secondary as one of their biggest concerns given the current personnel. Sure enough, former UNC star Trey Boston, former Carolina Panthers safety as well, was signed yesterday. How do you plug him into this picture? I mean, it was it a one-year, $3 million deal, which sounds like you know they might expect him to jump right back into a starting role next to Eric Reed. Yeah, I think you know the thought anyway of bringing him in is that he would be the starter. Uh, you know, Rashawn Golden entering his second year, dealing with a little bit of a back issue, nothing major, but uh, you know, learning how to play at this level. Uh, you know, Ross Cockrell, who you remember from Duke, and of course been in the league for a little bit, broke his leg in training camp last year. Has been playing some corner, uh, some nickel, and some safety. So he's been seeing some first team reps at safety. So you know, you got a guy that played here for three years who played pretty well for San Diego at that time, now L.A. Chargers, and now the um, uh, last year with Arizona. And so, you know, he's a guy who's been in the league now going into his sixth year. He's familiar with playing under Ron Rivera. So this time of year, getting close to next week's first preseason game, you know, it's an, it's an easy move to have. And, you know, it's, they know about what they're going to get. So there won't be any major surprises one way or another with Trey Boston. But I think the thinking is he could come in and be the free safety starter right away. Jim Zoki on Twitter, at Jim Zoki, live from Spartanburg at Carolina Panthers camp. Let's see, Christian McCaffrey's percentage of offensive snaps has been in the headlines. It was 91-plus percent last year, by far the highest of any running back uh, in the league, maybe any player besides uh, quarterbacks. You you meant to correct me on that. Uh, Let's see, his biceps have been in the headline. He's added some some obvious muscle as he wears some of those uh, sleeveless shirts out there. Has That has people ranting and raving. And then Norv Turner, I believe, said yesterday that he, A, doesn't want McCaffrey to be out there for quite that many snaps, but B, would not mind if he gets just as many touches as he got last year, right up there behind uh, Zeke Elliott and Saquon Barkley. Um, is that a good summary? And what else can you tell us about McCaffrey, uh, who obviously in his peers' eyes is a top 50 player in the entire NFL at this point? Yeah, yeah it's confusing the way they're wording it. But I think, you know, in their mind, they would like to not wear him down by overusing him. But competitively, Norv made the comment that he's had running backs have even more touches than what McCaffrey has had in both rushing and receiving in the past. Uh, that he could be used more. And David, just strategically, I mean, you can't just take him off the field on plays you're not using him. Right. Then you're telegraphing what kind of play you right. run. And that, you know, he's a great decoy, something to be accounted for when he is out there on the field. So I would expect he'll do something very similar to what he did last year. And, you know, he set a, a league record with 107 yards reception as a running back at about 2,000 yards just under that in total scrimmage yards, which was a Panthers record. So he's the guy, he's the workhorse, and I don't see it coming to an end. I think he's up for it. You said, as you said, he's in great shape. Uh, you know, you don't want to wear him down, but on the other hand, he is the centerpiece of the offense. He's going to be out there almost all the time. In terms of a leadership group, as this franchise, you know, was about to go to the playoffs for the fifth time in six years before Cam's injuries last, injury last year, that one obviously derailed it. So four of the last six, still very impressive. I used to think, hey, hey, at least Ryan Khalil is there if things are going wrong, right? At <laughs> right. least Thomas Davis is there as things might be going wrong on defense. Thomas is with the Chargers. Ryan, of course, retired. I know we still have Luke Keekley's a heck of a leader. Cam does it in his own way. Have you seen a change in personality? Uh, have you seen any newcomers or returnees? I mean, Greg Olson probably belongs in that group. Yep. How do you assess all that? Because I know it's just a – it's you know some people are skeptical when you talk about anything besides talent 
but I believe chemistry and leadership and those things matter. They do, and I think that um, you know the guys you mentioned in Khalil and TD are you know, somewhat irreplaceable in terms of the leadership, and they're they're wanting to win. And you have other guys like that, but those are a couple of big ones to lose. And, you know, Julius Pepper is a quieter version of that, but was a, a team leader in his two years upon his return here. But you've got Keekley, you've got Olsen, you've got Cam. I think you know, younger guys will step up and, and do more of that on the offensive line. I think you know, they're kind of looking at somebody like Trey Turner being that anchor of the offensive line. He's yeah. been to a Pro Bowl a couple times before. You know, K1 Short's been to a couple of Pro Bowls. He's been around here for a while. You know, Eric Reed, I know, is a polarizing figure with uh, a lot of the fans. But I think within the locker room is well-respected. And that Eric Reed, uh, now that he'll have a full season coming into his second year here, could be some of that, too. So every team goes through it, of course. You're going to lose players through trade, retirement, whatever the case may be, injuries. Uh, but I think they'll be just fine. I don't think they'll be lacking in the leadership department. David Tepper, the new owner, continues to just impress the heck out of me in more ways than I can count. So let's see. There was a contingent in Orlando yesterday representing Charlotte's bid for an MLS franchise with David Tepper's support. He is now talking about the desire for a new facility that would even help bring a college basketball Final Four to the state of North Carolina. I mean, I know shorter term, he wants his MLS team to be there in Bank of America Stadium with the Panthers. He's got, what, the -the state-of-the-art new headquarters on the other side of South Carolina, and this big-picture idea would be yet another facility where, what, they could play football, soccer, take concerts, Final Fours. Like, what what did you make of those in terms of uh, a, a timetable or anything else he may have shared? You know, I guess you don't become an 11 or $12 billion guy without thinking big. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, this, those were almost like, you know, more detailed words of what he said at his opening monologue when he bought the team. You know, the stadium and facilities have been at the top of his mind from the moment he bought this team. And as you mentioned, the Rock Hill piece was a huge one. He wanted to get, get that done right away, and he has. You know, that's going to be in place in 2022 in Rock Hill. And now he's giving a reasonable 10-year period of time uh, to say he wants some help in funding uh, something that he's been talking about, uh, which is some kind of roof, in this case, retractable roof uh, facility that would fit doing big college basketball games, big concerts, an MLS team. You know, typically teams in the MLS, should he get one, are drawn in the low 20s. You know, you've got a stadium here, but it seats 72,000. Right. And I think you know, Atlanta, there's like three or four in the MLS that use a football stadium. But, you know, that's a brand-new $1.5 billion stadium in Atlanta. So I think if he's going to have something that's dual purpose, he wants to be able to retrofit it to where it fits both comfortably for both kind of sports. So thinking big, hey, shots fired at Indianapolis for getting stuff like this. He took, I think, a little shot at Raleigh. Making the comment about, uh, you know, Charlotte should be the crown piece of the Carolinas, the two Carolinas. Uh, So to me, out of all of them, you know, Raleigh's the competition for MLS. I think that was a little poke at Raleigh there. And so I think it'd be interesting to see if he gets things done. It was very interesting. The MLS commissioner, Don Garber, said last night, it's the first time I saw him say it on the record, that it is an either-or proposition for the state of North Carolina and the MLS. You know, it's not like Charlotte and Raleigh, you know, could both get franchises as they grow to like 32 or something. So, yeah, David Tepper and the commissioner both adding to that – rivalry between the capital city and the queen city a little bit jim zoki live from spartanburg thank you as always for your time and your expertise great to hear your voice here on the david glenn show anytime thanks david you got it intern tommy has been assigned the classic sports movie challenge 
It may be the last one we have this calendar year. It is typically a July-only offering. Darren Vaught, by decree, has allowed it to stay around for one day longer. Intern Tommy will have a classic sports movie challenge. If you're new to that, it's a way to win a prize. We play audio from one of the top 50 classic sports movies of all time, as our statewide audience voted them years ago. You hear the audio. You're the first to correctly name that classic sports movie. You get your pick from our David Glenn Show prize closet. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll have more updates on the MLS coming to North Carolina. Don Garber did say a couple of interesting things last night, even beyond what I just mentioned there. We're going to get the MLS, I'm convinced. There's still a lot of variables to be figured out. Charlotte is further along and has the benefit of David Tepper and his billions behind it. But... There's some quirks that you can tell the MLS is concerned about with the Charlotte bid. Raleigh's not as far along, but if they can get that downtown stadium, uh, you know, shovels in the dirt, as they say, and the politicians agreeing where they need to agree, well, then Raleigh would catapult up that list as well. It was an interesting update on MLS expansion last night from the MLS All-Star Game. More on that story with more of your calls on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Hour three will include a classic sports movie challenge. It'll also include where Charlotte and Raleigh fit after last night's MLS meetings in the pecking order of possible expansion franchises. Your calls, those updates, and a classic sports movie challenge next. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show.